0: And if you're not a friend of the program and this is your first time on the rodeo, then let me tell you this. You need to go to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts and smash subscribe today because the OSP show is back. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved quick Bets And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy.
1: Hello and welcome to Group Chat. I am Justin Verrier. Joining me, Rob Mahoney, Big Waz. And gentlemen, we start this day, March 8th, year of our Lord, 2023. And the Sacramento Kings are the number two seed in the Western Conference. Did you ever think you'd see a day, Waz?
2: Yeah, but I figured I'd probably be... um Uh, Filing for AARP at this point. (laughs) Still working because our government's trying to raise the retirement age. But definitely up there in age, I got so used to not seeing these guys, not just in the playoffs, but certainly not in the upper echelon, getting home court and, and just, you know, looking like studs out there.
3: Do you still think you're going to be potting at 70, just like hologram was beaming into people's homes or something?
2: Why not? I'll still have stuff to complain about.
3: <laughs> I don't think I'll be potting in seven weeks, let alone 70, but yeah.
2: I, I guess we'll
1: play this thing out. Uh, Rob, you're you're vaguely local. Can you hear the faint sounds of the cowbells like emanating over the plains in Sacramento?
3: You know, I wish I was close enough that I could see the beam off in the distance. That's really <laughs> I need to move just far enough away that I can see the beam, I can have that beacon of hope, that I can be inspired myself to follow the King's lead and be whatever the equivalent of second place is in my own personal Western Conference. I need to get to that level.
1: Well, that's a good segue because today we are talking about the topsy-turvy, jumbled-up Western Conference, which, even though we talked about this a good deal last week, I feel like is in completely different shape than it was uh, just a couple days ago um what we're gonna do today is we're gonna play a little western conference survivor which our loyal fan base might remember because i believe we did an eastern conference version uh of this shtick around this time last year unfortunately my fellow co-hosts do not remember this at all (laughs) because as soon as i i suggested we do this you're like what does that mean
3: i mean i feel that way about most of your shticks to be honest (laughs) like we need a we need a full explainer pre-show just to know what we're doing uh we skipped that step today so can you please tell us what is going on?
1: Okay, so the show Survivor, which has been on for 20 years uh, and is one of the greatest reality teams. No, I'm kidding. Um, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the top of the West. <laughs> I guess we don't have to do number 15 and 14 uh, just because the Rockets and Spurs are, are pretty awful. Um, but we are going to vote out teams that we don't believe in. It's basically a, comfort- a confidence meter and like we're going to vote out the ones we don't believe in to the point where we get the play in teams, the playoff teams, the top 4, top 2, number 1.
3: Does that okay. make sense? Yes. So are are we voting them out like in batches or are we just kind of going up from the bottom reverse power ranking style? Like how are we doing this?
2: Is it's essentially like a draft, but Yeah. in order of terrible teams. So your first pick is gonna obviously be the Rockets, right? Um, they're they're a dub. And then we get to the teams that are in playing contention, then ultimately, you know, we argue over who's left and who didn't get picked. And, you know, I, I know I've got a couple of spicy picks up my sleeve. And so yeah, I I understand that.
3: Okay, well let's let's start haggling it out then, I guess. Yeah. The difference is just that it's
1: survivor themed and thus if Eduardo wants to like drop in a couple of like i'm I'm not going to make the noises because i don't i don't think i'm allowed to but like uh you know just a little flourishes if we want to bring uh like you have a lighter over there you want to bring your try your uh, torch to the voting i'll allow it but you know it's up to you uh rob
3: Uh, what's like the isn't there like an immunity idol is there like a protection can we can we vouch for a team to save them are there any other mechanics i need to know about
1: Sure, man. We could we could talk it through. Okay, we let's talk figure it, all it out.
3: out.
1: All right. So, uh, do we need to talk about the Rockets and the Spurs? Do we do we want to uh, differentiate between the two worst teams in the NBA?
3: No, they're both very bad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, do we want to give them any note or notice at all? We haven't really talked about either of them in a while. It's your last chance, man. So get it in. Um. Uh, you know, Devin Vassell is back for the Spurs, which makes them look vaguely like a, a real basketball team again, which is nice. Otherwise, like, San Antonio's been a bit of a cast-off graveyard. It's like where Devonte Graham shows up you know, like, you know, where, where did Sandro Mamukelishvili wind up after getting cut by the Bucks? The answer is the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, so they are in like the let's cycle through some guys portion of the developmental program.
2: Just to just to interject and, and just so we can snitch on ourselves, um, really quickly, Justin. When's the last time you watched a game that the, <laughs> like watched the game that the Spurs were involved in?
1: The Spurs, it's been a very long time. I'll yeah. check out the Rockets occasionally just yeah, because too. I, I want to watch Shen Goon like do a dream shake every like ten days but or the so. Spurs, need, it just, they, just do
2: not, they don't touch my league pass. I can't do it, Rob. I don't I don't possess <laughs> your professional dedication or uh masochism, whichever one it is. It's more I that. don't have either one of those, the the heart. Especially, you know, you live with your significant other. There's one big old TV or else you have to watch whatever you like on your laptop. How do you justify turning the Spurs <laughs> on to your one TV in your crib? That's crazy to me.
3: It's not how could you do this to yourself, but how could you also inflict it upon another person? It's wrong. Right? That's, that's where it's it gets wrong. Rough. Your fellow human being, Rob. Well, you really haven't missed much. Uh, the, I would <laughs> say the only thing of note of the Spurs, you know, from the Spurs of late, is their first-round pick, late first-round guy, Malachi Branham, has been coming on. He's been playing a lot. It's that stage of the season, right? All of a sudden, late first-round pick starts scoring a lot. You know, he's, like, kind of crafty, kind of fun. We'll see, you know? Rob,
2: I will get to know that young man at the Thomas and Mack Center in July. (laughs) Thank you very much.
3: As God intended. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So I guess what you're saying, Rob, is you want to vote the Rockets out first and then the Spurs
3: that is what i'm saying but honestly it's it's a, not a it's a, it's a pretty fine line between them they're they're both very bad they're both very far out of the playoff race i'm i'm fine punting them both into the survivors son at this point
1: great uh all right so number 13 now this is when it gets pretty tricky because the utah jazz are currently in 13th they're uh 15 and a half games back of the denver nuggets all the way up to the dallas mavericks at 5th who are 12 and a half game backs. Math tells me that's just three games separating 13 from five. So really a lot of these teams can go in any order. Um, Waz, where do you want to start first? What's the first team of these all pretty good, but not really good teams that you want to get out of
2: here? The Memphis Grizzlies. First. Yeah, they're done. They're done. This is <laughs> done. They're finished. They're finished. They're finished, y'all. They are finished. Like, John Moran is out indefinitely for, I don't know if y'all can make sense of that statement that um, he gave about being stressed and tired and management and whatever. Um, it's not being called a suspension, and so therefore it's indefinite. We don't know what the hell is coming out. We don't know if he's coming back this season. There's no indication that that's definitely happening. And if I don't know what's happening with John ja Morant and Dylan Brooks gets to be the, the number two perimeter offense shot, offensive player, shot creator on that team, they're my least favorite when you consider the turmoil and what's left. I think it's really nasty and smelly what's happening right now with Memphis. Now, if John ja Morant comes back, Um, and he's, you know, of course he's John Moran, one of the best players in the league, then cool. But like, there's no guarantee that that's the case and what's afflicting him. We don't even know outside of the trouble that he's been in with the law and civil lawsuits and all of that kind of stuff. So to me, this is the messiest of them all. Um, because this guy is the focal point of everything there. He's the star, the sun, the moon the ocean, whatever you want to call it. And if that's in flux, they're done. They're done this year. There's nothing good happening for them this year with no John Moran. So yeah, yeah, Memphis. I I promise some spice.
3: (laughs) I mean, you delivered. (laughs) Uh, Counterpoint, the New Orleans Pelicans exist.
2: Yes, that's Mm. fair. That is fair.
3: (laughs) You know, if we're talking about teams that who knows if their star players are going to be around or not or available or will play at all the rest of this season, kind of hard to overlook the fact that Zion's absence has been felt so profoundly in New Orleans. And we talked about that a lot last week. I don't think we need to get into the nuts and bolts of it too much, but they are just like as untrustworthy as teams get in their current state mm-hmm. uh, to the point that I would nominate them next. I take your points about Memphis. I just think that some of these other teams like the Lakers, even the Lakers without LeBron, Portland with all their problems, like At least there's a possibility that John Morant plays this season. And if he does, that team is pretty good. They they still have stuff to, you know, they have to figure out their half-court offense. Now they're down Brandon Clark, which really hurts them out for the season with the Achilles injury. But at least John Morant could conceivably play.
2: Yeah, and, and, and stop. yes, he could conceivably play. I'm just going off the assumption again, from what these guys have said, oh, we're keeping it, we don't know. Which means God only knows when or if he's coming back this year, right? Yeah. And watching them play against the Lakers last night and, and again, the Lakers without LeBron, okay, it, it was, it was quite pitiful. And the people who would have to shoulder the burden of Ja Morant's absence, uh, I just don't think they're equipped to do so. Even against, and again, it's a one game sample, but even against a lowly Laker team that doesn't have LeBron, you see what their glaring shortcomings are um, in a half-court setting. And so that's why I went with that. Because I'm just like, even without LeBron, the Lakers, if you put these two teams together.
1: So you're not a fan of Jaron Jackson junior ISOing against Dennis Schroeder on a crucial late possession against the Lakers? That's not what you're going for in, in, the, in crunch time?
2: Yeah, I, I would refer to the Pat Ewing meme. Um, do you practice that shot? Is that part of your game? No, that's not in your game. So don't do it.
1: I guess the upside there is, so Bane had a particularly awful game last night, three for 14, 0 for 5 from 3. You would assume that he's going to play better, and he did play better in the first game without Ja Morant the other day. Um, And just like the track record they've had of playing so well last season in particular without Ja I know Clark's out Adams is out who apparently is like prime shack for this team at this point, but there's like, they have all this stuff in the reserve. It's kind of like my criticism of, of New Orleans last week and we can get into it this week too, if we want, but it's just like, they have a lot of stuff Their Their whole selling point is that they have so much stuff. Let's see the stuff, do some stuff. You know what I mean? Like they should have the depth at the very least to be better than a Utah, a trailblazer, some of these other teams that I have like virtually no confidence in.
2: Hmm. I, 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 I don't think this team without Josh better than Utah or Portland. I don't Man, Interesting.
1: That. that. I don't know if you've seen who's playing for Utah these days, uh, but it, it's mighty bleak. It's like it spurs it's Rob coming up with players that we don't even know if they're real or not. Sure, Love and, and, and,
2: and you, you know what? It's fair because Utah is finally getting into April mode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, April NBA basketball mode, and that's fair. Can but I read you the didn't...
1: rotation for the Jazz just really quickly last yes, night? A game that they almost won. <laughs> so I don't I don't even know how much this matters. But so they had Mark and Olinik Abaji in the starting lineup. Talen Horton Tucker is now starting. He took 14 shots last night. And then they have a guy from Italy named
3: Simon What <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Simone Fontecchio come on he's he's been playing all year
1: (laughs) Has he? how much has he been playing um off the bench Rudy Gay Juan Toscano Anderson Damian Jones Chris Dunn who I believe is on his second 10 day and Johnny Juzang yet another player I've never heard of
2: Chris Dunn's sighting is is the ultimate death knell and and I do I do take your point um with you know Even after the trades of some pretty damn good players, I thought they looked pretty competent. But, you know, once you start resting everybody um, and you essentially you have no point guard anymore. Um, I love Jordan Clarkson. He's having a career year, but he's nobody's point guard. It becomes a lot tougher. But, yeah, look, man, (laughs) I, I think the Memphis Grizzlies are eminently guardable by anybody. I really do believe that. Um, And, you know, part of what informs it for me is I'm watching the Knicks last night blow a lead to the Hornets. Um, Of course, you know, they have no Jalen Brunson and the Hornets have basically been horrible all year, but they have real NBA guys and it's the Garden. So the road team is always playing pretty freaking hard. Right. And I'm just like, yo, the Knicks are not hard to solve in the half court, even if it's Charlotte. When Jalen Brunson doesn't play, like I, I, you know, I love Julius Randle. I, I don't, but you know what I mean. He's <laughs> he's been doing a a good job this year. But when it's Julius Randle or in Memphis's case, Jaron Jackson or God forbid Dylan Brooks trying to cook in the half court against a committed set NBA defense, eh, boy, it, it don't look great. And that's what's kind of informing. Maybe I'm. You know, I'm 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 a prisoner of the moment and rushing to judgment, but boy, I I just think they're not good without Ja.
3: They and the Pelicans both suffer from a little bit of the same thing, which is I do think those are deep teams, but they're deep in a way where they're built around those stars, right? Like they're yes. not built to replace them. They're not built to plug in for them. Even to the point that like Tyus Jones, like the the gulf between really good backup point guard Tyus Jones. And table setter point guard John Morant is just a chasm, like functionally, a completely different style of play when those two guys are on the floor to the point that Memphis is going to completely reinvent a lot of what they do.
2: So if you go back and you look up the record of the Heatles era heat, when Bosh would sit, when Braun would sit, when Wade would sit, the other two guys would just become the offensive hubs of the half court offense. When LeBron or whoever is there, they're overqualified in their roles, obviously. But when somebody's missing, they can take over the production of an effective half-court offense. That ain't the case for nobody on the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, in my humble opinion. Well, I would quibble slightly.
1: I think, yeah, you guys are right. And of course, right.
2: we're talking about Hall of Famers here, right? Like, and, and that's kind of the point that I'm trying to make. That, that, sure. like. Ja is a hall of famer he's got a bunch of nice guys in his presence right. a bunch of pips if you will well
1: that's why the pelicans are probably more disappointing because i think the pelicans were constructed yeah it's not
2: supposed to be a pip
1: yeah. Ingram's supposed to be that guy and he was that guy for him at least toward the back end of last season into the playoffs and cj mccollum was signed to kind of be the third guy there and he's been at times pretty awful This season, especially as a creator trying to get other guys involved like those. If those are two of your primary creative guys, like it's brutal. I I guess they were hoping it was going to be by committee. I'm sure Zion changes the calculus there, but I, I don't know that that one's way more disappointing than a Memphis situation who is, to your point, built around Ja first and foremost.
3: Yeah, I think it's just been so long since we've seen the Pelicans be good at this point. Like early in the season, they really did have it rolling. They really did have something. They lost grip on whatever that was.
2: I thought they were a Western Conference uh, final contender early in the season. Justin laughed at us and he ridiculed us because he hates the city of New Orleans so much. But ultimately,
3: feeling good about those
1: those, uh, early pods, by the way.
3: I think they hold up pretty well. Area man hates New Orleans so much that he's accidentally right on NBA podcast.
2: It's funny. I've been accidentally right a, a, good, a good deal lately. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a Zion went down. Zion went down, and, and Justin was right
3: though. He was right about that one. But like the difference is Memphis. We've seen the proof of concept, and while they have tapered off a little bit with with Adams being out when Jaw was playing, at least we know that that team is good. Like even if if they get him back. And we'll see kind of what effect that has on you know him being in, out of the lineup and then back in it. We'll see how the team responds. We'll see who in that locker room cares about John Morant's situation as far as like his responsibility to the team and what's been going on lately, if that matters at all or weighs on them at all. But in terms of the basketball, like there's a lot to, to fall back on there. To Rob's
2: point, last year, we'll remember that John missed significant amount of times and they steamrolled people. Yeah, uh, They would just choke people out on defense. They'd muster up enough points, you know, for effective, for efficient offense and transition, uh, bludgeoning people on the offensive boards. They would find ways to manufacture efficiency in his absence, but it's like, it's a defined absence and you know, when he's coming back. Right. Um, and this is different. Also, I think the weight of expectation matters when you're Mm -hmm. a young upstart and nobody expects anything of you. It's, it's a different, It's just a different animal, both in your approach and how teams approach you. These guys are no longer some sleeping, you know, little engine that could whatever upstart. Like, Not only do people see them coming, they hate their guts. They want to kick their asses every single night in every single city. And so that's why I think the proposition is going to be a little bit different this year. Okay. So Waz's
1: first vote goes to the Memphis Grizzlies, the number three team in the conference. Uh Rob. <laughs> Rob, you're casting for the Pelicans yes. as your first out of, of the good teams. And you the voting jazz for the jazz. Yeah. So what yeah. Do,
3: so what do we do for the gimmick? <laughs> like what is this?
1: Uh I think we have to go to a fire-making challenge now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Eduardo as as producer, do you want to break the tie here? Who do you want out first? Uh realistically, probably the Jazz
3: have to go first. Great. Hey, I think so. Yeah. Tough
1: for the Jazz. Yeah. Tough for your guys' alliances, but uh maybe you'll get them closer <laughs> to the final. Um all right. So next vote out. Uh I have the Portland Trailblazers, another team that's been shuffling through some players. Uh Anthony Simons has missed six of the past seven. Doesn't seem like a big deal, but like at this point, every game matters. Can I just tell you Dame's point total from the past six games? Yeah. 71, which <laughs> incredible. Uh, 25, 41, 33, 41, 31. They are three and three in those games. Yeah.
3: Real, they've been bleeding points since, especially since Nurkic went out. And it's, it's again, a lower-profile situation than what's happening in Dallas, for example. But they're kind of in the same position. Like, if they don't score a lot on a nightly basis, they just have no shot. Here, here are the mirrored opposing-team points-allowed totals from some of that stretch, Justin, and more. They gave up 129 to the Hawks, 121 to the Pelicans, 123 to the Warriors without Steph. 133 to the Kings, 126 to the Wizards, 138 <laughs> to your Oklahoma City Thunder, 129 to the Bulls. This is what the Blazers are right now. And they yeah, are yeah. hurt. They are shorthanded. They they did not have a deep roster to begin with. It's really hard to take them seriously when they're playing like one of the worst defenses in the league.
2: They're playing like one of the worst defenses in league history. This is, this is Dan Issel shit going on over there um it, it, yeah it's tough man um obviously you guys know i root for the the blazers to do well but it's just they, they 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 can't stop a nosebleed it's 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 awful um and so yeah it's it's a bunch of mall cops in a bank robbery at this point and so <laughs> i i have to wholly agree with 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 the pick right there
3: wow do we have consensus yeah. I mean, are, are, I guess like what, what happens to the teams that we didn't take off? Like, are the Pelicans still in the mix here? Are yeah, the Grizzlies like, still did, in the mix here? send them to the
2: Alcatraz? Like what's, what's happening here?
1: I don't know. I, I hadn't really thought about it that far. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, let's just kind of gradually move up in groups yeah, and tiers yeah, yeah, and we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, discuss everyone that. along the way. Well,
1: yeah. oh, well, hold on. In Survivor, like things mm. do tend to reset after a vote. So I think we have to like come to the table okay. again and basically with, like, with come to a consensus. Votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I think like, okay, the Grizzlies, you guys don't have momentum for the Grizzlies. I didn't have momentum. Or Sorry, Rob didn't have momentum for the Pelicans in that vote. I'm now yeah. saying the Blazers, and it seems like I'm convincing you. So it seems like the Blazers should go.
3: They're not yeah. good, but they have Damian Lillard and the Pelicans don't. Like, I'm, I'm just going to yeah. keep returning to this point with the Pelicans. Like, they just don't have the ammo right now to compete with these teams.
1: Uh, unfortunately, your fellow voting panel isn't convinced by that.
3: Uh, That's fine. At
1: least, yeah. Um, but where did you have the Blazers on just like your
3: confidence scale, Rob? I mean that's why I feel okay. Like they were next up for me. They were next on the chopping block. So yeah. they they do need to be eliminated in short order here. Like they just don't have enough guys. And yeah. once Simons gets back from his ankle thing, and once Nurkic gets back, if there's enough time, maybe they'll be able to put something together. But like they are starting Cam Reddish right now. He, he didn't even <laughs> play for the Knicks. Knicks, <laughs> who
2: I, is not, and it's not like the Knicks have a bunch of big wings that they no. just love and like they could use a six foot seven guy who has allegedly some level of athleticism and knows how to play basketball. Um, And yeah, he couldn't get off the bench. He's still picking splinters out of his ass.
1: I will say this. Long term, though, love it for the Blazers. Like, they yeah. didn't do the big swing, like, give a bunch of picks in order to make advantage of whatever this season is just because they have Dame Lillard. Like, yeah, this is suck if you are Neil Dame
2: Lillard? the Neil thing that they always did. Yes. Right.
1: They took... It took some flyers on Thiebold and Reddish and a couple other guys. They turned GP3 into a couple second rounders. Totally fine. This wasn't your year, year. Let's try it again a, next a year. A
2: backcourt pairing, a three man backcourt pairing of Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Norm Powell would be able to go out and guard people. They never, they didn't think that this year and do that. So, yeah, that's a good thing. Positive for sure.
3: The wrench in that plan, though, like Jeremy Grant's going to be a free agent. If he leaves, I don't know how much recourse the Blazers really have to get better. Uh, So they may they may get they may be in a position where they have to pay him a lot.
2: Try to get worse, and obviously so. Maybe so by moving some big pieces. Maybe who
1: knows? Wow, you're trying to train to see little on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah,
1: it's looking more and more like Dirk Dallas in Portland by the week here. Um. All right, we'll get rid of that. Maybe
2: KG in Minnesota. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe. Mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe.
2: <laughs> maybe.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe. Um, all right. Well, I actually have the Pelicans next up. So mm-hmm. they're currently ninth in the standings, but I have them, what is this, 11th? Uh, we went over. For the the most part.
2: Why do I have them at 10th in the standings? Lakers are oh, ninth.
1: I did, I did this last night right before the, the, the standings mm-hmm. changed. Um, so they're at tenth. Um, they were first in the West on December twelfth. They have gone, uh, they have gone thirteen and twenty six since. Uh, they started the season twenty six and seventeen. They have gone five and seventeen since. The one redeeming quality is their schedule, fourth easiest going forward based on Tankathon. So at the very least, the guys that they have to push over in order to get into the play in, not that hard. And I think that's something, especially when we're splitting hairs between pretty not good teams. Uh, But I I like Rob. I just, I I don't see it here. Every game is an absolute train wreck. Um, So they are outside the play-in for me.
3: Yeah, I think think squarely. All they've done since we put voice to all of our issues with them last week is lose two of their three games. All against Western Conference teams that they kind of need to beat right now. And some of those are understandable, some of them not, but this is your lot at this stage in the season. You need to win almost every game, or at least as many as you possibly can to get back into this race, and I, I just don't see it for them.
2: Remember when the Lakers were going to gift-wrap them Victor Wembinyama? Heady times.
1: Yeah. Now they might not even swap the pick.
2: Now they, they're going to get the Wimbenyama pick. <laughs> nah, they're not, but you know what I mean. Um, so we already have two
1: votes for the Pelicans. So, uh, Waz, your vote was technically... Is it throwaway? Do you want to you want to get in on this vote so we don't vote you out next time?
2: <laughs> um, my next team here is the Wolves.
1: Interesting. Okay. The Wolves. Do you want to make the
2: case for them? Uh, I just. Well, I, I'm. I'm. I. I love its trajectory from the year from. Struggling to figure out the Rudy thing to getting better at finding his spots as far as where to attack, like actually on the floor, like geographically where he needs to be around Rudy. Uh, the Conley thing has been nice, although not you know spectacular, obviously. Um, and <laughs> what's going on with Carl Towns? What's the, has anyone what's seen the him? news? When, yeah. when this dude got injured, nobody said he was going to miss the rest of the season. And he's just been gone, right? And so, you know, I think at a certain point, it just, I think the teams behind them are just better. All of the teams behind them, aside from the group that we've eliminated, uh, yeah, give me the Lakers. Uh, give me the Thunder. I, I think they're better than these cats. Obviously, give me the Clippers. So, yeah, the Wolves, they next up on the chopping block.
3: Yeah, I uh, I tried to give the Wolves some credit on Bill's pod yesterday for being a solid defensive team, and then they just mm. went got wrecked by the Sixers as they are ought to do. So I'm yeah. just going to respectfully withhold all comment on the Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> basketball organization at this time. Uh, I I I can't I can't vouch for them anymore. Like they are so up and down. Honestly, a lot of these teams are, but them in particular, where it's like the focus seems to be there and then vanishes. The intensity seems to be there and then vanishes. On balance, they are a good defensive team, but you just never know when the game is where they're going to like blow it against the Hornets because no one is paying attention. It's, they're really tough to count on, so it's it's hard to vouch for them in an exercise like this because how can you trust a team like that?
2: Also, I think Dennis Lindsay in the past has been a competent GM. Some people would even say really good Tim GM.
3: Con- Tim Connolly. Oh, sorry, Tim yeah.
2: Connolly, excuse me. Tim Connolly um, has been a competent GM. I got my white guys mixed up. Um, but <laughs> but but you know, I, I think he got the job and he got a mandate from new ownership to make this big splash. And the the roster is a little unbalanced um, because of that. And I think with an offseason to sort of balance out the roster in the way that we saw the Lakers do. This trade deadline where it's like, oh, okay, there's a point guard and a shooting guard and LeBron and, oh, okay, the, the team now makes sense. There's a rotation. I think they can do that this offseason, and they will be so much better for it for having an offseason to achieve that. And so that's what I look forward to for them. And then, you know, they could come in with an actual plan next year.
1: So when you look at just the roster – And you strip away the expectations heaped upon them this offseason, which they brought upon themselves, so they don't really deserve any sort of extra credit there. But if you just look at what they have, this is about what you would expect for them, right? A play-in team, an Anthony Edwards-driven team that, you know, has some promise to it, maybe long-term, but ultimately kind of disappointing. Like, they don't have a ton of extra talent just lying around in this team to the point where like the kill Alexander Walker, who wasn't playing in Utah all of a sudden is, is one of their key rotation players. Like Torian Prince, some of these guys like Nas Reed is a revelation, but it's just not that talented of a team. It doesn't have like a clear identity as a team. And I think if we were to step away and and look at that in the broader picture, you'd be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. But obviously things are just going to seem more disappointing because they got rid of every single pick for Rudy Gobert, which is the worst trade in
3: probably history. Yeah, it hasn't gone great, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it hasn't <laughs> gone great.
2: And I was bullish on that deal quite stupidly.
3: The Gobert thing, I, I do have to say, like, it's pretty clear he's not the guy he was. He's not mm. exactly who he was in Utah. You can see, like, look at the block numbers alone over time, right? Like, there's a clear trajectory there that's not positive. But as a media body, like we don't do a great job of accounting for the fact that Gobert is not a defensive player of the year candidate anymore. But you also like wouldn't know he exists from just like NBA disco like it's like he vanished yeah. off yeah. the face of the earth. Yeah. He is a he's still a very good defensive player, but it's clear at this point he's not propping you up as a top yeah. three defense right now. Like and he's not that. And
2: that was the bet, right? It was, that was this the idea that Utah would surround Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell with all offensive-minded, offensive-focused kind of guys. And it wouldn't matter um, that... And Joe Ingles wasn't terrible, but, you know, like, Joe Ingles or Bogey, like, these guys were good defenders, but they were not world beaters. Mike Conley, towards the end of his career, just couldn't stay in front of people oftentimes. Donovan Mitchell just gave up on the idea once he became, you know, a 25-point-per-game kind of guy. And so, and you know, the list went on and you got Jordan Clarkson, like these guys didn't defend. And it was like, we got, well, we got Rudy. We'll stay in the top 10, no matter what we put out there because Rudy's so good. Minnesota assumed that he would be able to perform those duties for them. And that just hasn't been the case. He's been a good defender. He just hasn't been a world beating all time. Great, you know, four defensive player of the year award winning type of defender. And you know, that's unfortunate
3: do you think those days are done? Like I I think some of it is a Gobert thing. And I think some of it is with the way the scoring is in the NBA right now. Can you be the defensive player of the year caliber guy who single handedly uplifts your team to elite levels? I don't Mm. know that you can do that. Like if you look at the best defensive players in the league right now, like Giannis has Brooke Lopez, Andrew Holiday, and that's why that defense is good, right? Mm Like the Grizzlies have a wide variety of good defenders led by Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, and that's why about, their defense is We talk about
2: Dylan Brooks, but I don't think that defense is what it is without him.
3: No. Is Philly a counterpoint? I think they have some good defenders. You know? Like, I don't think they have great ones, but they're also not one of the elite defenses. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, like, Embiid, Embiid does a lot there to prop up a lot of guys. And I think that's probably the closest closest example we have right now. But by the numbers... The wolves with Gobert are about the same as the Sixers with Embiid, like defensively, like overall, yeah. their number is about the same place.
2: And it's it's funny because it's one of those things where you watch night after night where the best you know um, paint protecting big man is often pulled away from the paint from his man.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah.
2: and and when guys are getting blown by, like you can try to go, run and go help, but you're gonna be late if you're in meaningful help position. Um, or if you're not, you're giving up open ass three pointers, which nobody wants to do either. So yeah, it's just, t- it's never been harder to play defense in the NBA, um, which, I you know, th- is tough. I think it's,
1: I think it's pretty telling that a lot of the top defenses nowadays want to play, or in fact, do play with two rim protectors. So when one gets pulled, you have someone coming from the weak side and is able to, so you're selling out on stopping the rim. I don't know if one single player can probably do yeah. it for you, which typically was a post-season issue, but maybe it's just bled into the regular season because teams have built their teams in order to stretch teams out more over the course of yeah,
2: the games. I, you, you know, man, Utah really opened my eyes to this this year where they they literally was just like, we're going to play a, a 40, 40 minutes a game with five shooters out there. And people are not going to be able to stop it. And yeah, you you might laugh as Laurie Markinen and all these other guys, and you know our one guy who's not a shooter, uh, Walker Kessler. But like realistically, when we sub him out, we got Kelly olinick in there. Like yeah. we are playing five out all day, every single day, and that it was hard to stop, even with these guys who we were like chopping block trade. Trade bait type of guys, and they rose to the level of competent offense when we thought they were a tank team. And so, yeah, man, if if the Utah Jazz could give the best defenses in the NBA a run for their money by, you know, just simply by their philosophy and having the personnel to spread you out all game, you know, it's, it's tough. It just shows you how tough it is to guard these days. So the Wolves trade
1: might not only be bad at face value, but it might be behind a trend. Uh, yeah. it, that probably isn't going backwards. So somehow it got worse today. Uh, but we had the Pelicans out first. Are we saying the Wolves are the next team on the list?
3: Yeah. Again, I I I can't possibly defend them at this point. You know. Okay, so
1: the the Wolves technically make the play in cut, so they are number mm-hmm. ten here. Um, mm-hmm. who's next? I think this is when it gets particularly
3: interesting. It's the Lakers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's what I got I don't like hmm. the uh, this guy is just willing his team to wins level analysis but I don't know how to explain what else is <laughs> what happening AD right now Other <laughs> than Anthony, Anthony Davis has been incredible he's brute forcing his way through some of these matchups and the Lakers need every bit that he can give them and they're they're squeaking by they're getting by I do not trust it beyond that commendable to date I just don't I, I can't trust that he might
1: not survive like that too. did you see his face after last night's game? He looked like Steve Nash in the Spurs playoff series. We we
2: watched this happen this season already. AD plays MVP level stretch by himself carrying the team night after night and then he got hurt and he had to sit, sit out for a couple of months. So I don't know how we why we would think this is going to be sustainable this time around. So yeah, that's the Lakers. Lakers is the are the obvious choice for me because well no because just just the the person who's propping them up is a fragile person physically, <laughs> um, and the rest just, of these feels seems, harsh. <laughs> I, I, he, you, how do you how can you describe Anthony Davis's injury history as anything other than fragile?
3: Fragile just seems harsh for some reason. I take your point. I take not your mentally, point. Not mentally, not emotionally, just sure.
2: physically. Yes, he doesn't hold up. Handle with care. Yeah. That's what it would say on the UPS package. I don't well, know what to tell you guys. It's
1: at least good that he's rising to the occasion because in years <laughs> yes. past he would not do this. So to see him step up, yeah. even though it might he's been great, resu- like result in reconstructive face surgery at some point because he's trying to power through these games no matter what. Uh, it's working. I think like the uh, the objective analysis that you could point to other than like just the fact that AD is wooing them is the fact that the defense has been so good since the all-star break. Number one since then, seven and three since the break, five That's and two. Insane. Excuse me, seven and three since the deadline, five and two since the all-star break. Only three and two since LeBron's injury, but D'Angelo Russell might be back. And like this goes back to the just the credible players theory where it's just like you just give these guys anything and if Anthony Davis is going to be the best player in the league, it doesn't matter. one spot above here, I unfortunately had the Thunder. Don't you dare! Don't. Wow! Dare. Wow!
2: You're disrespectful. Even after how they pants the Warriors last night, well, that's Did I think that was that, more of
1: a, a <laughs> Warriors issue than than a than the Thunder plus because you don't need to sell me on the Thunder these t- these days. They're they're incredible, and in my heart, they're number one on this list. Uh, just briefly, can we point out that they just stole Dario Saric from the Suns and all of a sudden he's like one of their best bench players and Darius Baisley's getting like seven minutes for a team that desperately needs like anything off the bench. We'll get to that eventually, but good Lord, Sam Presti, just like pantsing people even this late in the season. My issue is just like the injury starting to stack up just enough to where like SGA missed, I believe it was like two or three games or something and he's but missing. did you see him last night? He's back. He's incredible. But injury maintenance tonight against mm. the Suns. Jalen Williams mm. missing back-to-back games. Mm. I'm wondering if there's enough there to hold them back. I think they're a playing team, but they are playing from behind here, which is which you're, is going to be
2: questioning their desire to actually pull off this playing stuff. Actually, no. I would go the opposite way. I think that mm. they are
1: showing more pep than anyone would have imagined at this point. There's really well, nothing no, 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 to no. prove. I'm,
2: I'm the the players are playing right. their asses off. Oh, Last yeah. night, these the young guys flying around, these young, long, athletic defenders. I'm like, damn, this is a sight to behold here. Turning Golden State Warriors over all over the place. I'm just like, man, this is really cool to watch. But when you start, you know, if you're really in a playoff hunt, SGA shouldn't be resting, in my opinion. He's 23 years old. That man need to play. If the playoff hunt is and chase is serious, you know, it's, it's different when AD does it, where it's just like, all right, again, injury he's got a maintenance documented-
1: absence tonight from a five game absence. I looked it up, it was five games. Uh, that's tough. And I know you want to like take your time as a young team building towards something else.
2: Nah, fuck that. You got to But like, <laughs> there, yeah, there's,
1: there's not enough just like, fire up their ass in the way that it would be for the Lakers, a team that desperately wants to make the play in above anything at all to the point where AD is willing to lose a limb for it.
3: There's definitely an urgency there for the Lakers. Like they need to make it right. Like that, that is all they have. I, yeah. I don't totally agree that the thunder like need to, you know, need to run SGA into the ground to no, make no, this no, thing No, hold
2: on, hold on, Rob. I'm not saying they need to. Okay. They 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 don't need to. They're a young team. They they don't have a chance of doing anything significant in the playoffs for real. However, if they really truly cared about this playoff chase, SGA would not be sitting.
3: That's certain, there's some truth to that because when he does play since January 1st. <laughs> so when he's played four, 14 and 9 14-9. and 9, pulling Oklahoma this out of the City air. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Pulling this out of the air. How about this? Even better since January 1st. Second best team in the Western Conference by net rating. Pretty good. Second <laughs> best team in the Western Conference. Mm. What a sick NBA. This is the silliest NBA it's season. It's been wild. It's been a wild time. Of my life. I, I just think like they are clicking offensively when their guys play in a way that the Lakers are not. And in a way that feel like I trust, I have a lot of faith yeah. in their effort level and in their ability to compete. And in particular, when SGA is out there, but you mentioned Jalen Williams, like he and Josh Giddy have come on as strong as any young players in the league have come on over the course of this season. Like they've really grown. They've really evolved.
2: I'm anxious to see Josh Giddy in the playoffs.
3: It's going to be a thing, you know, You're, th- like we're gonna, he's going to get Iguodolid in some cases.
2: <laughs> I'm anxious to see that. I want to see, how that goes, and obviously what that means for his development and what type of player he makes himself into.
3: Yeah. I think he's, he's showing that he will look at the basket a little bit more, especially on the drive, right? Like, he is a guy who drives to pass. You know, and, and what
2: I like, what the, the one thing, because, you know, I've been a Josh Giddey skeptic, uh, both jokingly and seriously, but what I liked last night was when Steph would switch on to him, he was like, I'm putting my head down and taking this fool to the yeah. basket. That is, that's encouraging. That's the stuff that people like Ben Simmons would refuse to do. Yes. Right? It's like, I get a smaller guy on me. These guys think they can ignore me with some nothing defender. No, I'm going to make them pay. And that's something that's really encouraging and exciting to see.
3: He's he's just going to be bigger than a lot of the guys who guard him. And so as soon as he kind of gets through that full mental shift of like, I need to punish people and he's starting to get into that mode and he's starting to pick those spots a little bit better. I think he's going to be pretty good. But there's no question like once they get to the playoffs, he's going to be tested as much as anybody on the roster.
2: The bigger question is can a guy with hair like that be a bruiser? You know, I really <laughs> question that incredible head of hair like can he really be a bruiser? He's got to get a receipt in the headline first. Oh, so it's too
3: luxurious point. is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, it's
2: too luxurious. Mm. You you can't bruise with that. It's like Fabio bruising out there.
1: Yeah, this is team pan team pro V with him and, and Jalen Williams out there. Um, I just dated
2: the hell out of myself with that Fabio <laughs> reference, by the way. Um,
1: I saw him at the gym once. Fabio? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, was he, he in I incredible ha- shape?
1: Yes. He was like 60 and he was fucking ripped and I had a towel over like uh one of these benches. And he's like, is that yours, mate? And I was like, Yeah. And then I got it the hell out of there because I didn't want him to just crack my head open. <laughs> Beautiful man.
3: Um, Is that a risk? When you're around Fabio, you just might get your skull
1: cracked. Hey, man. I think I like, I think I uh, broke gym code by putting like a towel over something I wasn't using at the time. uh, Mm. And and he was politely holding the accountable. Quick
2: quick question. What gym were you? Were you at an LA Fitness or an Equinox?
3: This sounds like an Equinox. No comment. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll say this. I, uh, I
2: joined
1: an Equinox last year because it was coming out of the pandemic and I didn't want to be near anyone's fucking like COVID sweat. Like I was like you
2: didn't want to you didn't want to get cooties so you joined Equinox.
1: This is a lot of comment (laughs) for a no comment. I I could probably count on the number like on my hands, like the number of times that I actually went. Like I was out of shape. I just but I wanted to go somewhere. I was like, all right, I gotta go somewhere clean. And then I didn't use it. And it was one of the worst wastes of money of
3: of, like my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying is you burned even more money by not going than you thought you were going to when you signed up. Exactly. Yes. It was
1: right. a bad investment. But I I do have the Fabio story. I also saw <laughs> one of the, the the twins from selling sunset. It's it was it was good people <laughs> watching, I'll say that. Um but yeah, the Thunder. Uh, I have <laughs> I have the Thunder out before the Lakers. It sounds like you guys have the Lakers and then the Thunder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we'll go in your order. I didn't get the votes for this one. Um next on my
3: list is the Memphis Grizzlies, who was head out first. Uh, Rob, who do you have? That feels like the spot for them. Like on my personal list, I have like, you know, the, the wolves and the jazz kind of in this range, but since they're long gone at this point, it feels natural that we get to Memphis. They just have more on court questions. They have the huge looming off court question in any kind of tiebreaker scenario here. And I think we're kind of getting into tiebreaker territory, right? Like Memphis and even Sacramento and the Clippers and the Mavs, like all these teams, the Warriors, if you want to bundle them up, are all kind of in the same grouping together. And I just don't see any reason to give Memphis the benefit of the doubt on almost any front right now. So if, we're, if, we're gonna, if one is going to sift to the bottom, I think it makes sense that it's the Grizzlies.
1: Yeah, I, I have no idea what the healing process is for John Morant that Taylor Jenkins is, is referencing. If we had more information at this point, as we're recording Wednesday morning, uh, maybe I can like wager what's going on there. But
2: and what does I, he do? The, my thing is, like, what does he do that he's great to come back in a right. short period of time? Right. No, it's just because if we really interrogate this question, we start getting into the PR spin Of the business we work in. And how often can we actually trust the information being given to us by organizations when it comes to stuff like this? How, like, and for all I know, like, John Morant might actually be dealing with mental health issues. There might be some breakdown somewhere, all of that stuff. But also, How do we really know or trust that this isn't just PR spin? It's just like, yo, just fall back for a week and a half. Come back. It's cool. Chill on the Instagram live. Move on with your life. Like, how do we know which one is actually the case?
1: That's the one thing that really jumped out to me when all this was happening and really rubbed me the wrong way. If Jaws actually has a situation, like, I wish him the best. Take all the time you need, all that other stuff. But it does feel like PR staffs. Uh, just companies that are doing damage control are now defaulting to using mental health as a defense when it might not even involve that. I thought Chris Herring wrote about this pretty well at Sports Illustrated, bringing up the fact that even Josh Primo, who went through waves, hands, ever, all the like disgusting shit that he had going on there, was like, I'm going to step away to work on my mental health. And it just seems like it's becoming a default and that gets really grimy. And I, I don't know. I,
3: well, there's some reporting too. I think it was from Shams Trani at the Athletic about some players only meetings, some players only discussions, even before this incident, in which it was alluded to that it was like a veteran on the team triangulating. It sounds like it might be Steven Adams Steven voicing He's like got some, some cachet, yeah. Asking for some better discipline among the team on the road, just in terms of like, can we can we take this stuff seriously? Like like we have we have a shot as a as a contending team. Can we be a little bit more serious about some of these I'm, habits?
2: Let, let, me, let me just say something right here. because um, this group chat, we gotta keep it a thousand. You guys know I'm I'm somebody who can be described as outside. Which means like that, I have a high tolerance for people who are outside. Okay? I, I tend to be like, oh, okay, you know, a guy likes to enjoy himself, whatever. Sure. John Morant is outside Hmm. he's out dude he is on it
1: he's in the wilderness he's in the outback
2: and this and and i promise you this isn't anecdotal hearsay yada yada yada. i promise you guys that dude is out and so when you read the reports it's just like damn like what are we doing on the road and blah, blah blah like the de facto leader of the team that's what he's leading by that's the example he's setting And leading by. And I can tell you that with authority, bro. So, like I said, that's why I'm really skeptical of their prospects for the rest of this season. Mm -hmm. I love a redemption arc. So I love seeing them soar to new heights next year. It's a young group. Super talented. They can do it. But this year? I don't think so.
3: Well, to take your point, like, I just don't even know what redemption means in this case. Like, I don't, I don't know. For John what, Morant? I, like, in terms of what he would do to come back, in terms of what he would do to make things quote unquote right. Like,
2: I, look, I could say this personally, just just my advice to John Morant, higher personal security, um, professional personal security so that you don't have to carry guns. Don't show up places with your boys to beat people up as if you're some nobody um, who nobody knows and has absolutely nothing to lose, Uh, just conduct yourself in a more measured, mature fashion and you will be fine. Um, Like, punching a kid in the face at your crib, like, this is easily, like, this stuff is so avoidable. You know, um, I don't think this stuff is like, these are hurdles that cannot be overcome. You know, the stuff about gun culture and carrying, like, this guy's from South Carolina. that Like, that's their culture. They have guns. That's what they do. They, they really believe in their right to carry guns to protect themselves. Like, that's what they do. That Like, I can't come in here as some, you know, some Yankee and be like, oh, heavens, no, not, not the guns. It's like, that's what they do. We know that. That's a huge part of our country, uh, certain parts of our country's culture. I, I, I don't really, I can't really get too worked up about a guy carrying a gun, even if he's an NBA player, when you consider the place that he's from. Like, this guy's from the country. That's gun town over there. And so that kind of stuff is like, professionalize your operation. Yeah. Okay? You can afford to, and you need to afford to, you know? And you know all that other all the other stuff where you like beating people up, showing up the malls, and like yo, I'm a scrap, and I'm like you know this is this stuff is so avoidable.
3: I would yeah. point people too to Jalen Rose. He I thought he had a great encapsulation of this situation and kind of like transposing his own experience as a player coming up to what Jaw is going through right now. Definitely seek out his clip and his comments. I thought they were great.
2: Yep.
1: So we have Grizzlies out here, um, which. Is the next team on your list? Was
2: that's easy. The Sacramento Kings. Look, mm-hmm. man, I, I'm I'm happy for Cowbell Country. Uh, I'm I'm happy for them. This is the coolest story. De'Aaron Fox is somebody who I've always been a believer in. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about watching a guy in person make Kawhi Leonard and Paul George look like average defenders. I, I was at a regular season game where he did that at Staples, and I was like, this kid has a future. He's just got to put it all together. Like the shot has finally come around, and he has become so. He's been become so expert about when he deploys his shots, when he decides to go to the rack, when he decides to pull up for the for the mid ranger when he decides to take his three, when he decides to give it up the dribble handoff. Like he's just become so smart about his attack offensively, um, and and you know I just love I love watching him play the the pace with which the Kings play. It's incredible. But your freaking center, Damanis Sabonis, three-time all-star he may be, he's a... I'm getting buckets against that team. Like, there's just no doubt in my mind I'm getting buckets against that team. And I really believe in my ability to cut off the head of the transition attack, hunker down in half court and guard these guys in half court. And so, to me, they're the least... they're, They're sealing... As a playoff um, level half court offense is the lowest of the teams that remain, and so that's why they're off the board here. But not, you know, not by much. Even though I said it's easy, I just they, they just got a, a lowest ceiling.
3: I think it does depend on the matchups with them. I, the Kings get thrown out in a lot of these playoff conversations like they are the first they're the first piece of luggage to get thrown overboard
2: thrown
3: just like get i get I, I definitely get why i think for a lot of these teams that are on the lower part of the bracket i think some of them are going to have a harder team harder time keeping up with sacramento scoring wise than mm. we might think or that even they might think i think the clippers are a great example like the clippers getting a series against the kings I feel a little more confident about their half-court offense-wise, about Sacramento's half-court offense. Like, I think it's pretty good. I think it's yeah, pretty they, formidable. they haven't
2: guarded in freaking
3: months. Like, they, they don't play defense, but, like, the the Clippers' defense hasn't they been great either, they, you know? It's been nasty, And so that's just, that's just one hypothetical matchup, right? Like, you can go through this exercise with the Warriors or the Mavs or the Wolves or the Lakers or anyone else in that range, but I think Sacramento is going to be tough. I think they are going to score really well obviously we don't have any reason to think that they're going to be a good playoff defense and that's ultimately going to be their undoing. But I think that's why this is the right range for them, right? Like all the teams that we would have above them have some kind of capacity to, they have either like stars who could go on incredible runs. They have very solid foundations. They have like a DNA to what they do. That is a little bit more reliable versus here for as much as we like Darren Fox and as much as great a season as DeMondis Sabonis has had like are you gonna put those guys up against Luca and tell me that they're gonna outperform him <laughs> in a series?
2: That's that's my thing. When I think about the matchup hunting that teams like Tyloo, that's what he specializes in as far as the Clippers. Luca, just the matchup, like Malik Monk is gonna be on the court while Luca's out there in a playoff setting. And and I'm supposed to believe this is gonna work out great. I, I I can't see it, y'all. I, I really can't. And the, the story is great. But the two teams to me that are immediately above them, the Mavs and the Clippers, in my opinion, in a playoff series, they're beating these guys. Um, and not just with talent, veteran know-how too.
1: You guys are really driving down the price on on the beam-adjacent property, I have to say. <laughs>
3: <laughs> We're all playing the log game around here, right? It's, this is a real estate <laughs> podcast, first and foremost. Um, but no,
1: likewise, I have the Mavs and Clips right in front of the Kings here. I guess which order you fall in probably is is like an eye I'm of the whole thing. I think, it's so I think it's Clips
3: Mavs. Oh, So Clippers mm-hmm. above the Mavs, yeah.
1: So mm-hmm, the Mavs, yeah. since Kyrie's first game, fourth on offense, incredible to watch. Just watching him and, and Luca play <laughs> off of each other, dueling banjos, scoring 120-whatever a game at this point. 25th on defense, 4-6 and six since he's been yeah. there.
2: It's yeah. pretty much gone exactly how you expected. I've seen better defense at Little Sisters at the Poor, brother. Little Sisters of the Poor play better defense than these guys, I promise. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. That's a monastery in New York. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> there
1: are a lot of things you. we say as analysts <laughs> that like don't come true because we didn't see it coming. I mean, for you guys, not me. I, I see most mm-hmm. things coming. Right. Yeah. 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 But yeah, like, yeah. there's something like heartening <laughs> when, when we forecast that something is going to happen and it happens exactly like we expected it yeah. to. And I think the Kyrie experience in, in Dallas has been just that. And so, uh, like you guys, yeah, I, I would put the Clippers above them. But the you Clippers know what? are now 1-5 with
2: Russ. Yeah. I'll say this. People are talking about, oh, um, you know, the offenses look tough late in games. They lose in close games, man. Really close. That's Those are fluky results. We know historically those are fluky results that can go either way. Literally 50-50. You know, they could have just as easily, for real, conceivably won all of those games. And so I think it's looked better than people have given it credit for. And I think they can be better than the fourth best offense in the league um, as presently constructed because of the talent.
3: What makes me a little nervous with the Mavs is uh... – Tim Hardaway Jr. is back to playing out of his freaking mind. And mm-hmm. Justin Holliday has played really well. Like a lot of their role guys are, are clicking right now. What happens when they don't?
2: Also, yeah. also Moxie Kleba is the Bill Russell of your defense. That's <laughs> that's a problem.
3: Honestly, that's, it's not even it's not even his fault though. Like the Mavs are they're such a bad second rotation team. Like Maxi is gonna step up and contest and like pick up guys when he should. And then behind him is just crickets. Like, there's just nothing. There's no one stepping over to, to bail him out.
2: And don't bring up defense in the same sentence, category, universe of Christian Wood. That's just never going, that's never going to be a thing that happens.
1: Well, here's, the, I think, the question about where these two line up. If the Clippers never signed Russ, would you feel better about them than even the Warriors on this list? Who I presume is
2: is going to be coming right after the Clippers. I, I think there's a chance. Here's the thing about the rust thing. I think there's a chance that Lu is dumb like a fox, and he's playing Rust this heavy minutes and giving him this responsibility to prove to his guys that it doesn't work. The bait and switch. And later on, I love it. Yes, and later on, he's going to be like, guys, we tried it, we did it your way. It did not work. It was a disaster. We're doing it my way now. Yeah. So I think there's a chance that that can actually be the case.
3: Well, it certainly was pointed that before they signed Russ, there were some questions to Lawrence Frank about like, what does this team want out of its point guard position now? And he basically said, he listed a bunch of qualities that were everything that Russ but Russell Westbrook. Possess, possess. Uh, and then Paul George went on the signed Russell Westbrook campaign and they signed um, Russell Westbrook. And so maybe mm-hmm. there's some truth to that. Maybe you just need to show this is what this looks like, and I think, in fairness to Russ, there have been some spots where he's looked really good, especially playmaking in space.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: There's sure. still the problem of contributing or really Why not contributing. Games. That's the thing. When he does Why have the ball,
2: orchestrating possessions at the end of close games. Don't know. In twenty freaking twenty three, that's absurd. Don't know.
1: It's weird for a team that was perfectly fine before they signed him. Like, I had so good. much optimism after they got Eric Gordon in there. They made the few little adjustments that seemed Eric like Gordon made has not sense. great,
2: guys, by the way.
1: So, I was reading a story uh, on The Athletic by our guy, La Murray, and uh, he was bringing up how Covington finally got into the game, played a couple of uh, key minutes for them the other day in a game that they obviously lost, but still. Um, and he had this one tidbit where he says that Covington has not shared the floor with Leonard and George at the t- same time since the preseason. I was like, I was like, oh, That's you mean insane. up until this game, right? Which is still wild because it's been two thirds of a season to this point. No, no, no. Still has not, even
2: though he played in key possessions of this late March game. Guys, the idea that you would have a closing lineup that included Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Again, two capable guys. On the ball, guys. And you would rather play Russell Westbrook a nothing on defense and a Negative nothing um when he doesn't have the ball in his hands in offense. Like that you would play that over Robert Covington. It just make it make sense. I thought Ty Lou was Vince Lombardi. What the hell is going on here?
3: Uh play Terrence Manmore. Play Terrence Manmore, please. That too. I'm, I'm, I'm begging. <laughs> so wait, he's a very good basketball player. He fits very well. Please play Terrence Manmore.
1: So Tyloo is playing Phil Jackson mind games with Russell Westbrook, but he's not putting in a quality. Front I know that's the fatal,
0: for... that's
2: the fatal flaw, the fatal flaw <laughs> in my, um, in my hypothesis. We probably just that's don't, don't see it. It's, it's too
1: brilliant that we just actually can't
3: comprehend what's going on there. Right. But here's the thing. We've made the case for why the Clippers shouldn't be higher. Why should they be here? Like, do they deserve even being this high? I and just I think, think
2: this, Kawhi Leonard has looked so incredible lately. Yes, he I say looked, this as
3: someone who's I have I have taken a run at that football ten times on this podcast this season. I I I am easy to sell on the Clippers, but we haven't really said any reason why listen, they are a contender. Listen, I, I I remember, I remember being in Las
2: Vegas the day that they executed the Kawhi signing. And Paul George trade. I remember all of my media brethren and sistren. Oh, my God. They stuck it to the Lakers. Oh, and they're going to win championships. It's got oh, the, all the, 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 the freaking wing defense and all the length and the depth and this. And they're going to be so unstoppable. They're not that. Right? <laughs> they're not going to win a championship. They're, they're not. This is not a championship contending team. They're not. But do I like them better than the Mavs and the Kings? Hell yeah. I think they're more reliable. I think in a playoff setting, you know, high pressure, high leverage possessions, I have a trust in them to execute on both offense and defense, man. I have a I have a trust in their ability to sack up defensively in a way I just don't I just don't see it for the other two teams in this tier that we're
3: talking about. So when you say they're not contending for a championship.
2: No, no.
3: You think, you think 0% chance?
2: Zero, zero, zero. So long as the Denver Nuggets exist, Rob. Oh, Jesus. They have no way of winning a championship
3: this year. Zero. So for you on this list, where does the championship percentage start? Like the like, I'm guessing everyone below Warriors the Clippers are don't at like five. Okay. okay, they've got a <laughs> the shot.
2: Are, they have a shot. Last night was was distressing as hell. Um, the idea, the dis Warriors team that I watched put the clamps on people last year in the playoffs, just in moments where they just straightjacket fools that they couldn't stop. The OKC Thunder from dropping 135 on their heads?
3: The mighty OKC Thunder. That's 21 ins- turnovers. That'll do it.
2: Insane, <laughs> okay? And so I still... But again, it's the Warriors. I got to give them the 5%. They're like this modern Spurs for me. Any playoff that they're in, I'm going to give them a chance to, you know, ultimately come out on top. Um, but yeah, they, they, they have 5%. Phoenix... I'll give them a 20. I give them a 20. And I give the Nugs a 30. That's, that's, that's me.
1: All right. That's me. So I have a stat for you guys. Uh, stat Draymond, Draymond Green is shooting 33% from three right now, one okay. of the lowest marks on the team. Uh, our friend Jordan Poole, marksman, Steph Curry, understudy, future of the Golden State Warriors, 32.5%. Now the volume is is starkly different
2: in in yeah. both cases, but and the shot quality is starkly different.
1: Yeah, the attempts are a little different.
2: Yeah
1: I am just not sure that Jordan Poole is any good. And wow. I, I think we've been towing this take for a little while here. I Okay I just Michael Pena.
2: Like, we heard you.
1: <laughs> I just when is this guy going to do more than score when he starts? I think is my question.
3: Not to uh, not to fully out our guy, Michael Pina, but at some point we're going to have to air the top 100 discussion tapes of his takes <laughs> on, on Jordan Poole because he has some feelings. you know. Maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get him on the pod sometime to talk alone. about it. he's not alone.
2: Like, no. You know, I remember Haralabob Bob was just like, yo, he's a one-way guy who's one way isn't even that good. You know? And so what exactly is he? I just think... When he's at his best around what this group does well, it's very valuable, right? It's another guy who can break down a defense um, with the dribble. We know they kill the defense with the pass and the threat of the shot, and they break down defenses that way. But, you know, when people are switching everything and you got to start attacking mismatches and hunting mismatches, to have a guy that can credibly break dudes down off the dribble that matters on this team, where Steph is the only other person who has even remotely a shot, and Wiggins too, at times. Um, so I think what he does is important, but yeah, I I, I still like Poole. I'm, I'm not out completely out on him yet. I think there are times where he can get to the level of average and not completely dumpster fire uh, as a perimeter defender. And when he's doing that, that, that's very helpful for the team. I don't see that hitting analysis.
3: <laughs> I mean it is hard. it's it's a hard truth that they have to swallow at this point in the season, right? Like what is Jordan Poole to another successful Warriors run? And it's obviously closer to what he was for the team last year, but even then, I think one of the most important developments for them is Dante DiVincenzo coming on pretty strong. Like he looks like a natural mm-hmm. warrior now. And just mm-hmm. the idea that on Poole's He's moving worst-
2: beautifully off the ball
3: a very different function from Jordan Poole in that way, right? Like he is more off the ball. Like he'll bring it up some, he'll handle some, but he's more of a supplementary part, whereas pool is really driving things, a lot of possessions that he's in. But for the nights where Poole doesn't have it, whether it's his decision making that's off, whether the shooting is just all over the place, or where the refs defense. Will call it carry. You know, God forbid they <laughs> actually call it carry once in a while. It's good to have that change of pace. Like they're going to need that because those nights are coming. You know, it's tough for DiVincenzo is that he's kind
1: of a stark reminder of how bad Bob Myers has stockpiled this team with draft picks. Like, as good mm. as he is, like, just the fact that he is starting over a pool, like, is just a shining example of, like, the the main issue with this team is that they've relied on all these draft picks, and none of them have been good.
2: I mean, right? they paid Jordan Poole $120 million. You can't say Jordan Poole is a bad draft pick. Okay, draft he's
1: not a bad city.
3: draft pick, but now he's a bad contract.
2: <laughs> fair, okay sure.
3: we'll, we'll, we'll see on that, I mean the DiVincenzo's starting is just, I think they're trying to get Poole into his eventual role right, like, Steph is finally back let's all settle down Jordan Poole, please return to your seat on the bench, please go back to kind of what we need you to be it has much more to do with that than you know, whether is like overwhelmingly better, he's just like a stabler hand and an easier fit that's gonna plug he, into that role, lineup
2: He's he's going, he's better in that role Yes. So playoff game. Although you I have, think he might end up. Have, yeah, closing games over pool. In you have twenty minutes. Of yeah. defense.
1: Yeah, you have twenty minutes to fill in a playoff game. Who are you playing, Divincenzo or Pool right now?
3: I don't. Like, I don't want to portray Divincenzo <laughs> as if he is like the picture of good of like good no, discretionary defense. Like he takes wild gambles sometimes. You know, like. But he's it, better. I think is the point. He's a good player, but he's prone to some pretty erratic swings himself. I'm just saying it's nice to have the diversity of options.
1: Yeah. I I think the other issue with the Warriors is that if they play a road game in the playoffs, which... Are they going to turn into a
3: cactus?
1: (laughs) Yeah, which they're going to have to do. And right now they're sixth in the West, so they're not going to have more home games than road games at any point, probably, in the playoffs. So that seems tough. They've currently won seven. They've lost 25. This is like... A historic anomaly or or difference between the home road splits. I, I can't championship, figure it this out. Cha-
2: this championship hangover is it's not quite the Shaq Miami hangover where they were just god awful and everybody hated each other and Pat Riley was like, "Fuck this, I'm retiring." <laughs> um, but damn, it's it's bad. It's really bad.
3: It's tough. Like Draymond's pretty banged up now, and he he's played huge minutes all season. Steph has come back and looked mostly like Steph, and they've lost both of those games. Yeah. It, it's Dylan Brooks
1: yelling mean things at you. It's a, it's not a good scene right now.
3: It's not a good scene. I, I mean, I am I am on the same page as Waz that like you cannot fully count this team out. Like I do still think with Steph on the floor, that's still a team you don't want to play. But there's there's such a demarcation point between the top two teams and the yes. Warriors. It is yes. a huge difference.
1: Yeah, I actually have the top two teams, and then I have three ellipses in between them classic. because there's just classic like, barrier. <laughs> there's, there's like a, a Victor <laughs> Webanyama like wingspan length between the Suns, who I have at two, and the Warriors at three. It's just I, now I yeah. I, I, under, I understand the Suns trade for Kevin Durant even more because the opportunity is in front of them.
2: That being said. Are you going to pick them in the 4-5 matchup when Golden State eventually gets to that, that five seed?
1: Yes. <laughs> I have no hesitation. Yes. <laughs>
2: all, right, all right. Hey, mark this down, Steady Eddie. Keep this clip in the chamber.
1: <laughs> I mean, the Suns don't have a bench. They don't even have a fifth player on this team. Like Josh Okogie, awful. I
3: think he was over eight. He, was he had over, a, okay. He had an awful game. He had an awful game amid <laughs> a very good season.
2: He was bad <laughs> against the Hornets too. Oh no, man! Joshua Kogi, like the like the the sort of potential, or people like, no, we're gonna get Joshua and He's gonna be this physical defender. He's finally gonna do things on offense. And this is like the fifth team to take on this charge. And like, you know, now it's surrounded by Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and Chris Paul. And like. You really think this guy's going to make big shots in a playoff game? There's absolutely no way.
3: No, I, I, no I, le- way. I legitimately don't. I think there's, like, <laughs> there's a big whiff of Caleb Martin happening here where it's like, oh, makes a lot of regular season threes and in games that really matter, tough situations, I think he's going to have a hard time. Those threes
2: where you're at home and you miss the last two threes and you know if you miss this third one, it's going to suck the energy out of the building he ain't the type of dude that could make that, man.
3: Those are tough. But def- like defensively, he is good. Off the dribble, he's shown a lot more this season than he had previously. Like there's, There is a savvy and a creative instinct there that I think is pretty good. Teams are just going to leave him, and it's going to be a problem. In the same way that they're going to leave Ish Wainwright, in the same way that they're even going to leave someone like Terrence Ross and live and, live and die with some of those threes sometimes, it's a real thing. Uh, but the other guys are so good, I still don't know how you stop their offense. You can guard them five on four. And I think Devin Booker and Gavin Durant are still gonna anchor a pretty elite attack most nights, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. Any like suggestion when star is aligned now that they, there isn't enough shots to go around, there's only one ball. All the thing. things we used to say back in the big three, it has never come to bear. Like it has never been an issue where like credible. I think Chris like, would disagree
2: runs. with you though. Like he sure. definitely didn't get to really touch the ball. Yeah.
3: Kevin love like yeah. ask, ask the third guy is usually sure. the the plan sure <laughs> but it
2: works
1: as long as everyone buys into it I yes. guess
3: is the difference and well, like and the, di- and, and the difference here is the third guy is Chris Paul right. who's at a stage yes. in his career where he doesn't want to shoot he, 15 times a he game.
2: should be the third five guy. times again because yeah. Lord knows if he's anything else he's freaking blowing up your series
1: yeah. Booker's been incredible, 37, 35, 36 in the three games he's played next to KD. So that's a good sign. On the one hand, I don't know who is going to fill that fifth spot, but like they have probably enough guys at this point where they just play the hot guy and then Ish Wainwright will make a cu- couple threes and that's enough. I think like the fact that like the shots, the open threes are going to be available for someone is pretty, pretty heartening, I guess, for chance. But it sounds like you guys aren't sold with the Suns being above the Nuggets though. You guys are still Nuggets defenders. I know
2: Waz is. Still Nuggets riding out.
3: I am too. It is it is tough though because Phoenix is a uniquely challenging matchup for Denver. I think Denver will probably have enough going on if they play and enough cohesion to overwhelm that. But just the thought of Phoenix putting Jokic in as many pick and rolls as good offenses tend to do. And honestly, it's not just Jokic. Like Jamal Murray has not been any great shakes defensively in his career Mm -hmm. and especially this season to the point that in some games they just like take him off the ball and we've seen that since they've had Reggie Jackson too like we're just going to put Reggie Jackson on the ball and have him compete through pick and rolls because we don't want to strain Jamal Murray through a huge offensive workload and that when he's not doing well with it I think it's going to be a challenge like that's going to be an incredible series and a really interesting chess match in terms of the dynamics of it I just have a little more faith in Denver Overall, like a little more a little more faith in their ability to stabilize, a little more faith in their fifth and sixth guys than Phoenix is. But we'll see. Maybe that maybe that'll change even between now and the end of the regular season.
2: Yeah. And man, it's it's kind of crazy, but there's a chance that Phoenix ends up they're probably gonna overtake the Grizzlies um as the third seed. And so Denver would probably get to avoid them until the conference finals. Uh, which would mean more and more wear and tear on these injury-prone-ass players in Phoenix. And so, you know, you know how that goes.
1: I mean, it's not like Denver is uh, like a paragon of of health and fitness. (laughs) Nikola
2: Jokic, baby, he's an Iron Man. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But
1: unfortunately, Michael Porter Jr. only has like two back discs at this point. So... We'll see how that holds up over uh, over a series. I mean, my head says Denver, my heart says the Suns. I do think in a series, the Suns are going to be a big problem wait for the Nuggets. For the but Suns like
2: playoffs,
3: yeah. Well, even even before we get there, just looking at like f- what Phoenix's trajectory could be. First round, Phoenix could play Dallas. They could play Golden State. They could play the Clippers. Like we're going to see KD go head to head with those kinds of teams and those kinds of players mm-hmm. from round one, mm-hmm. and. And we'll see what that means for Denver. Like, Denver could get tough matchups, too, depending on how the play-in shakes out, but... Man, Suns that-
2: Clippers would wet my <sighs> beak. Oh, my Lord, that would be so fun.
3: That'd be a, that'd be a great way to start off, like, Mavs, playoff kickoff Suns,
2: weekend. Uh, any iteration of Mavs, Clippers, Warriors, Suns in the first round is going to be money. Mm. So what we're saying Now that here- Devin Booker's talking slick and the Kyrie element and all, it's NBA basketball, baby.
1: <laughs> Devin Booker talks so much, and like I guess yeah. now he has a reason to. But like, man, after last year's postseason, after not winning in the finals, like it was a tough, it was a tough Wouldn't road for him. But I'm, I'm glad much? he's back to being.
2: Wouldn't you talk that much if you beat the Kardashian curse, man? Come on, now. Also, just a quick, just a quick suggestion. Maybe, perhaps, for next week, maybe we save it for the off season. Let's do survivor pool for white American NBA hoopers because watching Austin Reeves last night and my man Gordon Hayward, man, he never plays, but when he does... <laughs> he's
3: good when he plays. He's
2: so freaking good, bro. He's so good. You guys
1: are coming around to the survivor theme. I, I could tell.
0: Are we? <laughs> it took a while
2: to
1: figure out what we're actually doing on this podcast, but once we did...
3: I it
0: was still okay. Don't know what the fuck no one knows
1: what's did.
3: happening here. No, you don't even know what's happening here, Justin.
1: <laughs> I think what we we came to was the Denver Nuggets are our sole survivor from the Western Conference.
2: Yeah, for me, for me. You know, and I know. I, and break listen, out the champagne, I, I, the big old check. It's theirs. <laughs> I I read a lot of NBA content. I listen to a decent amount of podcasts. There's a healthy amount of Nuggets skepticism out there. Not just Jokic. It's just. A healthy amount of skepticism about what the team can do in the postseason. A lot of people think they're going to fall on their faces. I'm holding steadfast here, though, Justin.
3: We'll see. <laughs> Justin's waffling. <laughs> Just, Justin's putting his faith in the Phoenix Suns. You know? I, would,
2: I would pick the what Suns could could go the Suns. He's putting his You'd faith in the KD super team again.
1: In a healthy, straight-up series, I would pick the Suns.
3: Yeah, that really is what's happening here, was like, I don't the, think that's crazy s- to say. The Nets' they're, they're optimism they're just, has just transferred to the Suns. <laughs> He's just doing
2: the, the Nets thing again. That's it. Oh, they can't Sorry. be beat. It's KD and guys, and oh, it's good. No depth. Sorry, they're gonna guys. be uh, one-on-one. They're gonna be. Very I like winners. Heavy. Okay,
1: okay. Yeah. I like guys who have proven it on a big. S- no, I'm kidding. Um. Yeah. All right, let's just let's just wrap it here to get the fuck this out of here. This is a long
2: ass podcast.
1: Yeah. Uh... Thank you to Eduardo Campo on production. Thank you to Benjamin Cruz for sitting in here. Uh, We'll be back next week. See ya.